every time I talk to a contractor or a peer, you know, I just don't have time. I just yeah. I don't have time. And it's you're stuck between this, that this idea of working in the business versus working on the business, you know, and, and some guys are super disciplined. And they're like, I spend 20% of my time working on my business, like literally on the clock from three to five o'clock. I will not go out to a customer's house. I will not answer, you know, an employee's mm -hmm. phone call. I am working on strategy or process or operations or technology or something to help us grow this business. And the rest of the time, that's it. I'm on the clock and I'm doing whatever, whatever ebbs and flows within the business. That could be, you know, helping out a homeowner that needs to talk to the owner or whatever the case may be. But I like those disciplines of like, you know, defining that. And the more that you can get to working on your business, I promise the more it will scale. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and I have got another great guest for you. Patrick Fingal is here. Patrick is the founder of New Look Home Design, and he is also the CEO of a really, really cool software that a lot of my clients use, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners use, called Leap. And Patrick, welcome. Appreciate having you here. Thanks for having me, Brian. All right, cool. So I want to start with, we'll talk about Leap later, and we'll talk about how big New Look Home Design is now and all that. But I want to go back. I want to learn about your background. Can you give us your like two-minute version of your background? How'd you get into the business? And then we'll we'll talk about what your company looks like today. Yeah, it was a funny thing, you know. So I was young. I was a serial entrepreneur, so college really didn't work well for me a little too ADD for that. And, you know, I went through my series of odd, odd jobs and, you know, just try to make some money. I had a friend that was working for a, a window company, a pretty large scale window company. And they had guys that went like door to door and they literally like knocked on a door, sold the window. It was like, you know, they were vacuum cleaner salesmen, so to speak. And, you know, it was a good company, good company. Um, my friend was working there and he wasn't doing great at it, but he was like, you know, I feel like you would kill this. <laughs> so I went to work there and I just had a knack for it. I could just talk somebody into getting windows. I don't know. Like, you know. Did I you start talk. knocking or directly both, in sale? Both. Yeah. Both. Both. Okay. So, yeah, you would knock and sell and then there would be some leads and you would just sell. And so, you know, if you didn't have a lead, you were knocking and selling. And if you had a lead, then you were just selling. So, it was both. And, you know, whether I was knocking on the door, it, you know, it was amazing to me to be able to do that for myself. You know, I mean, like somebody's sitting there and they're watching, you know, the price is right. And next thing you know, there's a knock at the door. And fast forward two and a half hours later and they're buying $27,000 worth of windows. They weren't That's even enough. contemplating it two hours ago, you know, and it's like <laughs> you talk your way into the house and then talk your way into the sale. It's just, it was so amazing to me. So, I worked there for about a year and then I had an interesting, something really interesting happened to me. I was actually having some home improvements done at my house and the guy that was doing the work was unreliable. It was a typical, I don't want to say typical because I love contractors, but it was like a typical kind of experience, right? Like, are you going to show up today? Like, you know, and well, we talked about this, but you did this instead. And, oh, I thought that was included in the price and now you want more money. So it was like the typical thing. 
And it was funny. I talked to the guy about it because like I was in sales and I started talking to him and I was like, you think this is going to change? Like, and he, he really took no responsibility to the fact that it was this kind of unreliable home improvement experience. In fact, he kind of felt victim to it. Like it was the circumstance and that being a contractor was really, really hard. And it is. So, you know, my brain started churning and I was like, is it like, there's gotta be like, this is not everybody, but largely in part an unreliable experience when you hire a contractor and it's just not simple. It's not an easy thing to do to get a new kitchen or whatever you're getting. So for me, I was like, you know, there's kind of got to be a better way, right? Like this, I felt like it had to change at some point. So I didn't come from construction at all. You know, as a matter of fact, I, I considered us more of a consumer services company. So, you know, so or sales and marketing firm and like, you know, so what I did was I was working at this window company. I was having this kind of moment, this epiphany. And then we decided, decided to start a company of my own. And very early on, I, I realized that we needed to have a strong vision statement and mission statement and values. And I really, I think I knew what I, exactly what I wanted those to be. What year was that? It was 2003. Yep, so it was oh, wow. 2003. Okay. Yeah, long time ago. Oh, yeah. That was a long time ago. Shoot. Yeah. Time's just passing by. So yeah, almost, almost 20 years ago. Almost two decades. I'm sorry. Almost two decades. Yeah. So, and that was the start of New Look. That was the start of New Look. Yep. New Look was formed in 2003. And, you know, our vision statement was to redefine the expectations of what's possible from a home improvement contractor. Yeah. And what products did you sell? We sold at the time, at the time we sold windows and siding because that's the industry that I kind of came from. So I felt comfortable there. I knew that. And I had only worked at the other company for about a year, but I knew enough there. And then I had this experience with this contractor at my house that I thought there was an opportunity. And we sold, we really stayed in windows and siding and doors, gutters for the better part of five years. And then in 2008 or 2009, you know, there was this disruption in the market and we had grown pretty big to that, not pretty big, we had grown to about seven or $8 million at that point in time. And we like, we went all the way back down to like 3 million bucks in like 2009. I mean, the company got cut in half and that's when we kind of pivoted into roofing because it was more need-based. We, we felt like the roofing needs kept coming and the window leads kind of dried up on us. So we pivoted hard into roofing. And then in 2010, 2011, 2012, we kind of just grew from there. Okay. And now today, let's talk a little bit about new look today. So I know roofing is still a big part of what you do. Windows also? Yeah, we do roofing as our, our primary product. We're a typical exterior remodeler. We haven't brought in bath yet, but we have brought in solar. Okay. Roofing, windows, solar. Mm -hmm. And how many jobs will you complete this year? About? I feel like I should know this, but I don't because see, what happened was in, in 2012, part of our vision, we started working on Leap as a product and yeah. we can stay on New Look for a while. But in 2017, I kind of not totally exited the company, but you know, I don't manage the day-to-day -day operations yeah. anymore. So yeah, which I want to ask you really, about. Some of the really granular numbers I'm not involved with anymore. So, but I think, you know, I mean, look, the company does between, at its height, it did like 42 million, but the okay. company does between, you know, since 2017, it does between probably 22 and $30 million, $32 cool. million. Expansion was a really big part in opening new markets. 
was a really big part of our growth strategy, but we haven't done any expansion since 2015, I think, or 2016, when we expanded up to New Jersey. Wow. Okay. So it's kind of cool. So you built this business in about, you know, five or six years ago, basically set it up to run without you. Yeah, correct. Um, that wasn't the intention. I think I would have stayed involved with it. But in 2012, we started working on a proprietary solution that we called Estimate. Internally, we called Estimate. And in 2016, you know, it was done. And then it was funny. We had one of the things we really wanted to do to scale to provide a better experience was we started looking at customer service versus construction expertise. You know, some of the things we were doing, windows, siding, we were doing sunrooms at the time, roofing. You know, when we were trying to hire people that could go and do the jobs and estimate or do the estimates, you know, they had to have a certain amount of experience in, in, you know, in the field to at least be able to, you know, speak confidently about products and not underbid the jobs. Well, that was always a challenge because we were always hiring people maybe from the competition or somebody that had some industry experience. And we really wanted to open it up and say, hey, what I really need to effectively manage a, you know, a home improvement project, what I really need is, you know, a pretty robust tech stack and somebody that's really good with customers, like great with customer service. And it's funny, I think when you look back at the history and you look at some of the people that work in construction or contractors, they're not great with customers. They're great at, you know, doing the job. They're artists, right? But, you know, customer service, like, is isn't at the forefront of their their strength. So what we wanted to do was we were like, how can we make it simpler so we can kind of have like that expertise base layer, but then layer in like, you know, more of a customer service layer at the top. So in order to be able to hire what we wanted to, which was maybe somebody that worked in retail, or maybe you're a server, you know, maybe you're a bartender, right? Maybe you're a teacher, you know, somebody that's in customer service, you know, uh, and good with people, we needed to be able to train them, in effective manner. So we started working on a technical solution that took a lot of the guesswork out of it. I mean, we started bringing in like satellite providers like Hovering, Eagle View, anything we could do to ease the burden of measuring, estimating, contracting, writing a clean contract, product selection, like the whole thing. So we wanted to put like really strict parameters and controls around the estimating, bidding, and sales process. And then we could bring in a, an expert, a project manager to do like a site inspection and validate. So there was no technology really that helped with that. There were some in the space, like I said, like Eagle Viewer, a Hover or something like that were coming. But the problem is, is you still need to be able to interpret the report. So we wanted to blast that out. So we started working on a solution. Anyway, when it got done, it was a, it was a big, big success. We were able to hire people. I mean, we were teaching people how to sell roofs in 10 days, you know, because we didn't have to teach them how to measure. We didn't have to teach them how to estimate. We didn't have to teach them how to price. And we didn't have to teach them how to write a contract. They needed to go in, be able to sell the price, sell the company and get the signatures, right? So it became a really yeah. quick, easy process. And that really helped us scale and grow. But what happened is those people would leave because we have turnover, just like any other company, they would leave and they would go to a competitor in our space. And, you know, the competitors would call me and they would say something like, Hey, what are you using over there, man? It's hard one of your guys. And like, they said, they won't work here unless I get it. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, or how is this person good at yours? So, you know, so it kind of became when we built the technology, we had no intention of spending it out. You know, we were 
building something. But then we saw the value of that. And at this point in time, I had been in the business for like 15 years. So it was a new opportunity for me, got me excited about something. So I shifted gears. So in 2016, so it wasn't a conscious decision to turn it into a lifestyle company. It was a it was this kind of happening with this new opportunity that is leaped, as you know, today and to pivot over that. So I kind of backfilled myself with leaders there that are still there today. And those leaders have managed the day-to-day operations of those companies. So I can focus on, on this over here. Yeah, so That's the story. So explain, I like that word backfill. Explain that a little bit more because this is what gave you the freedom to be able to move on to the other opportunity. So explain a little bit about backfill and kind of how you thought about how you thought about that. And also, sorry, but also what had to be in place in order for you to be able to backfill? Well, at the time I had a partner in the business in the first few years. So that made it kind of easy. Um, I took more of the sales and marketing side where my partner, this is typical. You get two guys started together. One of them does like operations, accounting, production. One of them does sales and marketing. So I was more on the combo. Yep. So I was on the sales and marketing side. So really, and we had developed, a, you know, a vice president of sales. So that vice president of sales at that point was able to take that. That partner of mine ended up exiting. We brought in a COO uh, or VP operations. And then, you know, we brought in a vice president of marketing. We brought in a fractional CMO to kind of guide some of the process, you know, a competent controller, a director of installations. And some of these weren't in place, but we kind of just elevated them and form the hierarchy. So it became very easy to, well, not very easy. It became easier to step away. And then it was a gradual process. Like at first, my time was probably split 50-50. Then it was 60-40. Then it was 70-30. Then it was 80-20 and 90-10. And now it's just pretty limited uh, from a, a time standpoint. Yeah. So I think backfilling it is about looking at your people in place and I'm a very vertical hierarchical, like hierarchy leader. Like I, I like a flat organization, but like, I like leading through a hierarchy. Like I like to have a vice president of sales and has a sales director, I like a COO that has a director of installations and a controller and a human resources manager, and like a VP of marketing. So I like it like super clean. So the organization, I think that's more scalable when you do it that way than an owner that necessarily wants to be in everything. So I really like to hire competent people and lead through autonomy. Like, I feel like if you hire really competent people and you can give them the autonomy to make decisions. And then you actually, they need very little from their leaders. So it really comes a strategy and hiring effective people, but it is an element of trust to be able to hand the reins off and let go of those things. So, which is, that's just a style that I naturally had. So it made it easier for me to do that as opposed to being a very hands-on owner. And I'm not knocking that, uh, you know, I always, you know, I always want to make sure because like people, you know, there's a thousand opinions out there and they're all right. That's what I always say. Every opinion is right because there's no bad plans. There's just poor execution. So right now there's a hands-on owner that wants to be in everything in his business. And that's a great business model for that person. But for me, being a hands-off owner and allowing my leadership team to do what I hired them to do gave me the ability to, to migrate. Well, it's interesting, you know, why do we go into business for ourselves in the first place? And for the most part, from my experience, it's really all about freedom. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of business owners, they go into business for this idea of more freedom, and they actually end up with a lot less. Mm -hmm. Not only do they end up with less, they also end up with liability and risk and, and sleepless nights and money issues, cash flow issues. And so 
I think that the ultimate goal for a business is to create a business that works on its own without us, the owner. And then if we want to go back in and we want to go run leads or we want to do a job in the business, great. But at least it's structured in a way that it doesn't require us to be there Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, I consider myself like a gap filler because people do leave. I mean, retention, you know, I mean, I'll, the average time somebody spends in a job right now is probably three to four years if you have yeah. good retention. And in those, now I know it's like some people, we have those people that are lifetime players and I have them too. I have people that are in my business that are leaders that have been there for a decade, you know, and it's a very family oriented feel. However, we've had a turnover at the leadership level too. So I find myself like my responsibility is to backfill that in interim as well as rehire that. And, you know, my commitment to those leaders is to, you know, backfill that Back, stop, you know, backfill that position while looking for a leader that'll complement the leadership team and then work with that leader to give them the autonomy to get back into the leadership role or the authority within that. So that's kind of where I'm like, you know, it's like a player goes down, I jump in and I fill that role for a little bit and, but immediately try to backfill it. And that's, so I agree with that. I think, you know, our, any business owner ever, our, our contractors, you know, I mean, your, your biggest asset is time, right? Like it's, yeah. It's not money. It's every time I talk to a contractor or a peer, it's, you know, I just don't have time. I just yeah. I don't have time. And it's, uh, it's, you're stuck between this, that this idea of working in the business versus working on the business, you know, and, and some guys are super disciplined and they're like, I spend 20% of my time working on my business, like literally on the clock. From three to five o'clock, I will not go out to a customer's house. I will not answer, you know, an employee's Mm -hmm. phone call. I am working on strategy or process or operations or technology or something to help us grow this business. And the rest of the time, that's it. I'm on the clock and I'm doing whatever, whatever ebbs and flows within the business. That could be, you know, helping out a homeowner that needs to talk to the owner or whatever the case may be. But I, I like those disciplines of like, you know, defining that. And the more that you can get to working on your business, I promise the more it'll scale. Like it really will. I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's a hard thing to do because when you're in it, it's hard to get out of. You can't see the forest through the trees or whatever. But right. if you can imagine if you could just had the glory, you could just work on your business 100% of the time. Like you never had to do a one-on-one. You never had to do any of that. You could just think about what's next for this thing. Who's the next partner? Who's the next product? You know, who's the next customer? It would just be awesome, right? So it's like, we know that that's what equals success. Time to work on the business equals success. And we know the path to working on the business is competent employees that can work in the business. Yeah. It, but it's, it's easier said than done. It's challenging. It is challenging. And you gain some ground. You gain some ground and then somebody gives you notice and you lose some ground, right? Right. You know? That's how it works. People go on vacation, but, you know, I think that is the the path of righteousness is, you know, utopia is a place where every contractor can do nothing else but work on their business. Yeah. You You never have to talk to a customer unless it's proactive and it's like customer research, right? Right. Like, you know, but anyway. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, 
and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to BuilderPrime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. I don't remember if it was this year. I know I went over it at this year's Accelerate event in February, but I teach our people to start with two immovable blocks in their calendar. One is we're big proponents of the EOS system. So EOS is all about you know, accountability and there's a certain structure of the meeting. So it's 90 minutes. So 90 minutes you have for that meeting. And then half a day a week to work on quote unquote on the business create those two blocks every single week they are immovable they cannot be disturbed they cannot be moved and then you know and then i say to people well once you get good at half a day then what you know then you go to a full day and then you know like where you're at right now where it's basically every day is you're working on the business instead of in the business yeah and I've, you- I've had periods, I've had very small periods where I've been able to allocate almost 100% of my time to working on it, but immediately it yeah. retracts and then, and yeah. then you go back. I think it's, it's funny because like we can sit here and we talk, you know, Mike Tyson, famous quote, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Like right. everybody loves that quote, right? But it's like when you're a contractor, yeah. like, oh, this immovable block. And then like my roofing crew calls out and like, yeah. I got a job going. I can't like not answer the phone. Like I, I have to do it. And it's like, no, no, you cannot answer the phone because like the idea is suppose you had, suppose you had two jobs that day and one of your crews calls out and then you can handle one of them because you take down your immovable block, but there's always something, you always have to cut it off at some point. So, you know, yeah. you have to cancel that job. You just cancel it. You're like, I can't cancel it. I need revenue that day. It's like, well, you're always going to be stuck in a trap. No, you don't need revenue that That's day. That's right. You, it out. you do two jobs the next day. Like, so immovable, I just wanted to talk about that because immovable is a big word for a lot of people. And they're like, how do you even begin to do this? Suppose my, can you tell me my guy calls off the roof. I'm like, sorry, I'm in the immovable block. And you're yeah. like, yeah, you're in the immovable block. Like, no. You know? Well, that's a good point. But I use that word purposely just because it is such a strong word it's like that's the level of importance and you're absolutely right i mean if there's an emergency and you got to deal with it you got to go and run but then that time needs to be replaced yeah it's something else otherwise how are you ever going to get to the point because look the one thing we know about entrepreneurs is that we are really really good at solving problems and if we allow our people to always come to us for problem solving, mm-hmm. you will never be free. Yeah. We'll never be free. Mm-hmm. And you can't build an organization like the two that you have that I know about without giving people the autonomy and, and the power really to go and make, make these decisions. It's funny, I'm a big context guy. And so what is context? Context is like, well, what was your context? And if you ever find somebody asking what the context was, that means you didn't do a good job of setting it. So like I, I recently hired a new uh, VP of marketing and I hired him into the organization at New Look. And, you know, I had to tell them like, hey, here's my time commitment to that company. Here's my time commitment to you. And, you know, and if you set context with people, you can empower them. So like, 
my thing is like, oh. hey, I'm I'm not going to be there to help you. I probably won't answer your phone calls. Like, you know, yeah. and it's like it's a funny thing. But like, you know, there's candidates out there that will run to that. And they're like, beautiful. That's what I'm looking to do. I want to build a business entity inside of your entity. So I'm going to do yeah. that for you. And then there's, you know, there's other people that aren't interested in that and they need more, you know, and they're like, ah, the owner was absentee, you know? So it was like, it's a hands-off owner and really empowers the leadership team to be successful and problem solve, or it's an absentee owner. And that's why we failed. Yeah. So I think there's like a fine line there. And really it's like, cause that's the same thing. What's the difference between an absentee owner and a hands-off owner? One just set context with the leadership team that is, yeah. Hey, I'm empowering you guys to problem solve and make decisions. You guys are running and managing this business on a day to day. I mean, we all play a critical role in it and you, there's yeah. no, there's no hierarchy here at the, at the executive level, you know? And so that's what I try to do and it, it works well, but yeah. you got well, also on. It's hard to walk in and just change to that. Like you walk in one day, like, hey, guys, I'm going to Florida. And, you know, I'm going to be a hands-off owner from now on. Yeah, no, no, no. It takes a little bit of work to make that happen. Well, and that's why you need to start with, you start with half a day. You figure out, you know, what do I need to do? Who are the people that I need? What are the processes that I need? What are my leverage activities? So what can I spend an hour on right now that I can benefit from every, you know, every day, from here forward or every week from here forward. Yeah. And they really value for me. I am, I am, a, I'm a worker, right? I, I do consider myself a servant leader. So I think that they always value that or appreciate that because I'm working on the business. Like I'm not, not working yeah. on the business, you know, I mean, sure. I think of vacation, but I'm working on the business when I'm doing that. And that gets them excited because that's how we grow and scale and do better things. So nobody's ever looking at it like the, you know, like I'm sitting in the back, like, you know, just, enjoying my time watching movies. I mean, they're, you know, so I think it's, again, I think it's all part of the the strategy and, you know, that understanding. And I think you said a great word, like a great thing to do is if you're going to, I know we're kind of, we've digressed and we've stayed on this block out time and work on your business for a while. But if you do that, then maybe you sit with your leadership team, or maybe they're not even your formalized leadership teams. Maybe you're a small company and everybody reports to you, but you sit down with everybody and you're like, Hey, I'd like to carve four hours a week out on Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon or whatever day works best. And my concern is these are the types of events are going to happen. Is anybody here interested in that block of time in handling these events? If they happen, I don't care if you're a foreman, I don't care if you're a salesperson, like who wants to step up so I can put earphones on for four hours a week, you know? So if you make them part of that conversation, there's a very empowering feeling about that. And it it might be somebody that you don't even know. It might be like, um, you know, it might be a salesperson that steps up and says, Hey man, I can at least keep everything afloat for that four hours, put the earmuffs on. And that's a growth opportunity for somebody. And, you know, a lot of times they'll do it for free, you know? So it's like, they're just happy to have a change of pace for them. So, yeah, I think it's really important to try to carve that time out. And then you go to eight hours and you go to 10 hours and you go to 20 hours. And next thing you know, you're really working on the business. So all of that, having all that in place for me, really afforded me the opportunity or the ability to be able to step away from one business and concentrate and focus on another business and really scale that business successfully. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, because your story into the creation of Leap and the implementation of Leap at New Look is a really interesting one. So going back to what you said earlier, your whole kind of motivation or strategy for growing your business was, how do I make it so that all of these tasks that would require 
let's just say construction experience. How do I automate that? So how do I get a technology solution that handles that? So I can then put into place people that are just really, really good with customers so that they can take care of my customer. Because, you know, G4, that's what we're all about, is how do we take care of our customer? And so you started, you took up the path of technology in order to make that happen. So talk a little bit about that, the early days of starting to put this thing together. What did you expect it to do? Well, so I think there was a repetitiveness, right? So I think that, you know, and you know your problems, like just look at the challenges you're dealing with and then just try to figure out the why in those challenges. Like this keeps rising up to the top, right? So like we would hire somebody, they would go out, they'd run an estimate, they'd underbid it. That was like the worst, right? Or they'd write the contract up and they'd leave something off of it. And then like, we'd get done the job and here we are ready to collect. And the owner's like, what about my skylights? And you're like, wait a second. There was like a conversation. And what you have is you have a a choppy, a choppy work order that doesn't do that. So we really just kind of looked at, okay, what are the things that we're doing? What are the things that we're doing that are repetitive day in and day out? Like, you know, we had all these options, right? Like for windows, there's all these options. There's all these SKUs you can call. There's all these, I mean, you take one window, you know, you you want these grids, you want those grids, you want brass locks, you want laminate interior, exterior, like window people know this pain, right? But 97% of the time you sell the same thing. Yet you need to have all these options. So we were like, okay, is there a way that, you know, we can kind of take this big book of paper, like options and just have like a whittle down. Like, what does this person need? And it whittles down. It's like, well, oh, here's the number one most viable option for you. This is most likely what's going to work. So we kind of started with, you know, okay, how can we kind of simplify, you know, this process? And it was because we were doing the same thing every single day. We had a salesperson who was our our main guy's name is Steve. Steve was actually helped and developed this product and was one of the founder of Leaps. And, you know, we say that the product was built by us, you know, uh, you know, four contractors. And uh, he, it actually was like, well, the, the number one guy that was developing this thing was going into the house and was using it every single night. So like, it would be something wonky. Like we would go into a, a neighborhood and we'd be selling windows and the neighborhood required brown windows because of an HOA. But the people wanted white windows on the back of the house because white windows are cheaper than brown windows. And it was like, now I have to price two different windows. You know, a younger salesperson might go in and say, you know, I'm put brown through the whole house and then I'm going to miss the job because the price is going to be too much. I'm going to get a price objection. So it was like all these little intricacies came together to solve these problems and these pain points. So we were kind of just developing. I mean, we were slow rolling. And I mean, it took us like four years to build the thing. You know, yeah. and it started with one person using it. Then we had 10 people on it. Then we had the whole company on it. Then we had our project managers on it. So it was just kind of this thing. And it just kept becoming, it was reliable. So it's funny, you know, I tell, our vision statement is to read and new look is to redefine the expectation of what's possible from a home improvement contractor, right? So redefine the expectation of what's possible. You're like, well, what, what needs redefining? Like, so then our mission statement was to provide a simple, reliable, transparent solution for managing your home improvement project. And remember, the birthplace of that was the birthplace of New Look, which was this experience I had where there was nothing simple, reliable, or transparent. And yeah. this person felt, I tell you, this contractor felt victim to that. It was things like, well, I thought I'd be able to get this from the supplier, but I couldn't. So I have to swap your sink out. And now I'm either going to eat the margin or I have to come back to you and charge you like $25 more. What do you want me to do? The materials I told you aren't available. 
So it was like, yeah. you know, and it was like, so it's just this, this whole thing. Oh, well, we talked about so much. You said you wanted it this way, but then you changed your mind. I don't know if you remember that conversation, sir. So that's why we went with this color vanity, you know? And it was like, all these, you guys know these conversations, right? And I know it's hard because we're a contractor. Yeah. So we're on both sides of it because I am a contractor and I'm definitely not perfect. You go look at her Yelp reviews, right? Like we're definitely yeah. not perfect, but I'm also a homeowner. And I understand what it feels like to work with a contractor. So I'm I'm seeing it from both sides. And, and so it really became this vision of like, look, it's not it's not the contractor, like the, the, the tools to, to help alleviate some of these pains just hadn't been developed yet. You know, I mean, right. they, they just weren't out there. And they were in every other industry. You know, like when you went to take your car in to have it serviced or Jiffy Lube, like they had a system. They knew when you came back last time. They knew it was time to give you windshield wipers or rotate the tires. Contractors don't, they didn't have any of those luxuries. I mean, we're out there yeah. doing, it's like surgery with no x-ray and, you know, or no MRI. And you just, you just start cutting. And then when you just start cutting, you find, you find problems. So it was like, well, this is unfair. The industry hasn't been invested in from a technology standpoint. It just hadn't. So yeah. we were like, we'll build it ourselves. So I, you know, I digressed a little bit there, and that's not a plug for Leap. This was this was New Look trying to call. Well, we're gonna plug. We're gonna plug Leap in them. Yeah, in yeah. But I mean, this was this was New Look trying to separate themselves from their competition, the competition, and not even to do that. It was really to provide homeowners with like a different experience. Like I don't believe in three estimates. I think it's crazy and archaic. I always yeah. say, imagine if you had to go to three grocery stores a gig gallon of milk. Would that be like a good thing? Like imagine if yeah. everything you buy, like your wife is like, hey, I'm going to go get a dress. I hope I have to go to three stores. Right. And I hope the first two stores I go to don't even sell dresses. Like who says that, right? So it's like, it's this product. We always get three estimates. I work for the government. We always get three estimates. Like, well, who, who, who decided that's efficient? Like I always say to people, I'm like, what happens if you get three estimates and you hate all three of them? Who do you buy from? And they yeah. always say, we don't, well, we don't buy from anybody. I said, what do you do? They said, well, we keep getting estimates. And I said, and you're going <laughs> to get estimates until you find what? And they're like, well, somebody we trust. And I'm like, okay, well, lucky you. Suppose that was the first person you met with. Right. Like what about quantity equals trust? That's not it. It's transparency. It's brand. It's mission. It's promise. You know, so that's what we were trying to do. So Leap was a, an evolution of what we seemed to be mission critical, which was changing the way contractors interact with homeowners to give them a transparent, reliable, simple, easy solution for managing their project, to bring them into the light and to provide us with resource so that, you know, we were hiring good people. I mean, we were training them. We were paying them while we were training them. Eventually got to put them out there and humans make mistakes. And then I'm getting a terrible Yelp review because I hired a good human, maybe your son. I gave somebody a job and now I'm being ridiculed and torn apart because I can't train this person for eight years to be able to effectively deliver 100% satisfaction on every job they bid and sell. Yeah. And I'm like, so look, if that was your kid working for me and they were, you were the neighbor and they made the mistake that they made with you, would you be like, oh, the neighbor's so right. Scorn you, scorn you. Or you'd be like, he's trying really hard and he made a mistake. So, you know, for us, it was about like taking that ideology and being like, it's not. It was not the contractors. It wasn't us. We were trying really hard. Nothing hurts a contractor harder than when you get like a, you know, a bad Yelp review, but like total scam yeah. artist sent a moron out to my house. I'm like, yeah, that's what I woke up. I kissed my wife and kids goodbye. Right. 
I said, I'm going to go hire a moron and scam some people today. Or it's like, no, I put my life, blood, tears, and sweat into this business to try to serve homeowners. And it just, it becomes hard. So it, it was just, it's just a misalignment. So contractors need the tool that gives homeowners the transparency and understanding. And then everybody comes together. So a little bit of a tangent there, but I'm passionate. Yeah. About no, it's very cool. Yeah. You know? Very cool stuff. With all of that said, Pat, I got to have you back on the podcast again, because there's so much more stuff that we can talk about. But I do want to talk. So you brought up, you know, you created this technology and it's, and it's really great. And I don't usually, quote unquote, plug stuff on the podcast. But when there's a really good tool out there that's developed by somebody in the business that's developed a really successful business and hundreds of other companies, very successful companies are using it, it's definitely worth having a quick conversation about. So can you just give everybody kind of a high level of what are just some of the main things that Leap does for New Look, for your company, and obviously for hundreds of others, but let's just talk about your company in particular. What does Leap do for New Look? Um, so one, it really simplifies the estimating process. It allows you to take, you know, thousands of options and whittle them down in seconds based on a skewed pricing, right? So for us as a roofing contractor, like you take a hover report, a hover report or an Eagle View report is great, but it still needs to be articulated, transposed into across your price guide. So it gives you a centralized location for pricing. That's like number one. Number two is it connects your estimates with your contracts or your estimates with your proposal. A lot of times there's conversation and estimates are very verbal. And then there's the actual proposal. And there could be something that was in the estimate that was left off the proposal. One of the number one things that we get from homeowners is, you know, this communication. I thought X was included. I thought you were doing the shed roof along with the roof. I thought we talked about that. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to say, okay, great. If it's in the estimate, it's on the contract. If it's not in the estimate, it's not on the contract. So it does this thing. It's linking those two things together. So we have a patent on our technology, not patent penny. It's actually patented. And it's what's called a dynamic contract or dynamic form or dynamic, what could be a proposal, a contract, or work order. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to take inputs and put into a system. This is true. This is true. This is true. This is true. Now go draw my work order. And that work order cannot include something that's not true and will not include something that's false. So what that does is it's not just like a PDF, like a, you know, digital contracts and digital proposals are a big, a big talking point, I think, nowadays, because it's just like handwritten. But like I always say, a digital contract that requires manual data entry is just a prettier version of an inaccurate contract. Yeah. So it's inputs. Like when you go to the grocery store, if you scan the loaf of bread, it goes onto the receipt. If you don't scan the loaf of bread, it doesn't go onto the receipt. Like imagine if they took the bread and they wrote onto a machine that then typed it onto the thing and said, bread, $1.49. It takes all the manual input out of it. So at its core, that's what it does. It also is a, it helps you get paid. You know, that's really what it does. I'm a big proponent of like finance. People, they don't tell you that they can't afford it or they need to think about how they're going to pay for it. They just say, thank you for your time. We'll be in touch. And then they go back and they figure that out. You know, I'm really big on, you know, understanding, you know, what you need to understand. So like we wanted to put financing at the forefront. So it really does a good job of like financing e-check. You know, I always, I always use these funny analogies. Like suppose you went to Nordstrom's 
And you said, hey, can I pay with a credit card? And they were like, yeah. And they just took the credit card and started writing the number down on a piece of paper. It's like that's tolerated in, in home improvements, but it is not tolerated at the grocery store right. or at Nordstrom's. Like if anybody did that, started writing your credit card number on a post-it note in a civilized business, you'd be like, what the heck? But yet as homeowners, we do it all the time. Like my contract is like, all right, go ahead, give me the number. And write it on a napkin. And I'm like, all right, man, thanks. You're going to come tomorrow, right? So yeah. it's like, it's raising the bar in all of that. It's really, it's not pioneering anything. It's just saying, okay, this is how things are being done. Like I always say, like, you know, contractors, like I have a checkbook. I do it for Girl Scout cookies and contractors. Like that's the two things. Like, you know, so it's like, so it's a point of sale system, but I use that word lightly because I always say it's like, there's point of sale systems out there like square or like toasts for restaurants. The point of sale for a contractor is more complex than almost any other sales system in the world. Even if right. buying a house seems like a bigger purchase, you're still just, you're kind of just buying the house. There's a lot of forms you got to sign. Going in and estimating a kitchen, like I can't think of anything that's maybe harder than that or estimating a roof or estimating side. Like it's, it's so intricate. No. It's very formal. So it's a very robust selling system that allows you to digitize that experience and create transparency with your homeowners and make it you know super reliable. The biggest benefit is cuts margin errors down. It increases the time and the increases margins. Yeah, yeah. It'll kill your training time. I mean, now you can just you can just hire the personality. You know, I mean, ability really goes by the wayside. And I might get scorned for that. I'm not talking about our installers, I'm not talking about project managers. I'm talking about our customer facing people that are doing our estimate that go out with the really nice personalities, strong customer service ability. And maybe they were working in the gym. Man, I got them from the Gold's gym that I go to and they were just a big bubbly personality. They sold a lot of memberships. And I was like, man, I want you to come sell roofs for me. And that person is selling roofing in seven to 10 days. Yeah. Amazing. You know, because it's customer service. Yeah. You know, and our customers love it because like, you know, the other review is like, John was so great. Sue was so awesome. April was so wonderful. She just, she explained everything, you know, and it, it's not, you know, so it's, it, it puts that at the forefront. So that's what it does. And that goes so much farther than, and we could talk about this for hours. And again, I'm, I want to have you back, but it that goes so much farther than looking for that person that knows how to close. That's yeah. got all those closing lines. No, you just want somebody that people are really going to like, that's going to follow the process. Mm -hmm. That's going to hold the hand of the customer and walk them through the process and make it a really good experience for them. That, it's it's awesome what you've done. Yeah, really, we, we really like cool. when we go in the house, like I talked about the three estimates and I also talked about the context. I talked about hiring a leader. And if you set the context, the difference between an absentee owner and a yeah. handball owner is all about context with your staff. It's the same thing. Like when we go into a home, like we set the context that like, you know, our goal is to make this as easy as possible. Like we yeah. want to make this super simplistic. If you have to get seven estimates in order for it to be easy for you, then so be it. But our goal is to be like ultra transparent, give you all the tools and decisions you need to make a decision. So you can go back to life and we'll get this thing nailed out for you. So yeah. we kind of set that context when we come in and that's not like, Hey, I'm going to give you a price that's good for today. And I'm going to give you a price that's good for like two years. That's not the context. The context is, is like, we don't believe that a homeowner finding a contractor and finding someone they could trust 
is necessarily based on the number of contracts they meet with. We refute that information and we say trust is all about trust. You don't need to do certain things to figure out whether it's present. You just know it's present when it's present. So our goal is to come in and do that. And I'm telling you, people trust technology. Uber is the best example. The cab driver, yeah. bulletproof glass. They have the logos all over the cars. They got the computer that sits there with the license. I'm going to get in John's Toyota Corolla who I've never met from Adam. And I trust yeah. that more than I trust this cab with all this stuff going on. Isn't that the that true? A little transparent app. And I just, yeah. I trust it. And so that's what we're trying to say is like, if you show, if you show your customers the undercarriage of your business, it's like, Hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's our installation process. Like, you know, here's how I measured your roof. Here's skewed pricing line by line like fully detailed line-by-line line estimate that shows everything, nails, caulk, everything. Not because you have the time to write that all up because you use a system that does that for you. Customers just see value in that. Like the other guy's estimate 10,000, mine's 14, ours is broke down. I'm like, well, let me see theirs. How did they come up with 10? Oh, that's right. right. Nothing. Right. Nothing. So it just, the industry is so absent of technology and transparency that just the presence of it in the home really makes you another level of contract. It really yeah. does. So I'm passionate about technology, but that is not birth because I couldn't tell. I, yeah, that's not birth from the fact that I own a software company. That is birth from the fact that I think it's really needed. And it was New Look Home Design's vision and mission was to bring that technology to their customer base. And very quickly, that vision morphed into my vision to bring that to the entire contractor community. Yeah. So that's my story. Well, awesome. Thank you for being here. And again, there's a lot more that we could talk about. I'd love to have you back again. Tell everybody, what's the best way to get to Leap? Leap is funny because it's the Leap is Leap to digital. And, you know, just everybody always says Leap, why Leap? Leap is, it represents that it's not a small step. It's a leap. Like this is a leap. We're changing, it's, we're changing an industry, right? I mean, not Leap into, I mean, all of us as a community, we are elevating it, right? We're saying, hey, no, we're going to give homeowners different experiences, better experiences. So it's going to be a massive transformation in the industry. And that's small contractors, large contractors. You're going to see e-commerce. You're going to see all of that. And there's going to be a place for everybody in it. But everybody has to change a little. And if we all change a little, we'll change a lot. So it's called Leap. You can go to Leap to Digital. You can go to jobprogress.com too. We did a recent acquisition of them. We're really committed to providing a a platform or a solution that helps you manage not just the customer experience and the estimating and bidding, but manages the entire process soup to nuts. So between our both of our products, we're really getting very close to being able to help you manage your lead from lead to referral and everything that happens with full transparency and communication to your customers. And that's really our vision. So awesome. jobprogress.com, leap to digital.com. If anybody wants any information as far as new look, new look home design.com. And I am a sharer. So if anybody, I'm a community guy. So if anybody wants to reach out, they can find me on LinkedIn, hit me up and just, I'll talk about any one of the businesses and I get pretty transparent. I'm pretty honest. So I'll tell you what I know, what works, talk about closes, talk about margins, talk about anything. I kind of know what you're going to say, but I got to ask you this before we, before I let you go, actually. What's your outlook? We're recording this in middle of August, 2022. What's your outlook for the rest of this year and next year? Yeah, you say you think I know what I'm going to say. You know what the general consensus is, right? I mean, the outlook is going to slow. I think people are already seeing it. 
I have yeah. a big community. I think the year on organic growth, just meaning if you don't change something in your business, you're probably going to show a 30% reduction next year. That doesn't mean wow. that businesses won't grow because they'll expand, they'll open new markets, they'll bring in new product lines, they'll start rehash departments, whatever it is that they're doing, right? But they'll expand. So you can have a better year next year, but you can't do the same thing you did this year. I think if you do the exact same things you do this year, you're down at least 30%. Wow. Cool. Love it. Yeah. All right, Patrick, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. And look, everybody that's listening, I, I know I say this a lot, but this is another episode that one listen alone is not enough. He gave you a lot to think about here and a lot of strategies that have worked to make him and his companies very successful. So you're done now. I would just go back, hit rewind and listen to this again, because you will hear something different the next time you listen to it. And there was a lot of meat here. So again, Patrick, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And for everybody listening, until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling, and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian.